welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So when I work on a message, I often, um, I'm, I'm speaking today, and just an announcement, next Sunday, Penny's speaking, so um, that's going to be great. Justin's actually sharing next Sunday at the Sanctuary Church, so he won't be here, but he'll be sharing the following Sunday, which is going to be awesome. But as I prepare a message, as I spend time knowing I'm, I'm speaking, and, and um, I do joke a little, this actually isn't what I love to do. I actually don't enjoy the process of, of standing up here. Um, and I know last year I did an awful lot. I actually would rather not do this. And uh, it's a battle for me sometimes. So a couple of things happen when I'm on the roster to preach. I try and negotiate ways of getting out of it. Um, and then I um, succumb to, I can't, so suck it up, Lee. And then I spend time going down two parts. Number one, God, what do you want me to share? And I'll either hear something like read Psalm 23, and as I read that, it comes alive and God opens it up to me, or I share from the overflow of what's happening in my life, what God is sharing, what he is doing, and what is happening in my life. And I get the opportunity to invite you into my world. (laughs) Um, Scary. Now, invite you into what God is saying and doing. And this morning, I really felt like that was the, the, what was highlighted to me today is to actually take you on a journey where I'm at at the moment and what God is sharing with me, not all of it, um, but what God is sharing with me at the moment, good, what God is sharing with me at the moment and what he's speaking to me. Because there's something powerful when we communicate what God is currently doing in your life. There is something incredible to share with other people what God is doing. Whether you've got a microphone or not, you should always be telling people your story. What God is saying, what God is doing, what God is releasing, what you are learning, what you are growing in, what you are um, experiencing during your worship time, what you're experiencing during your time with the Lord, what is happening on your day-to-day walk. So whether you've got a microphone or not, all of us have the privilege of being able to invite our family in on that journey. And so this morning, as I open up some embarrassing moments where I went, hmm, why didn't I ask that question 20 years ago? I didn't, but I asked it this week or last week, and God is opening it up, and and he's sharing, and he's ministering, and he's speaking through my walk with the Lord for me and now for you. Is that all right this morning? So no big revelation in terms of... I read this and it jumped out at me. I love those passages. That hasn't happened lately. The last couple of weeks hasn't happened to me. But what has happened is a remembering. I'm going to recap some things. This is better. I'm going to recap some things from this year. And you might have heard those sermons. Awesome. Allow God to open it up even more in your life. You might have not heard those messages. Awesome. Allow God to start that journey in your life. Is that all right? Right. So this year, our theme as a church is at the table. And I mention it every time I talk and I mention it all the time and you probably are sick of me mentioning it and I'm going to probably mention it for the next hundred years. 60. (laughs) 60 years. 80. Is it 120 we're going for? Or God comes back healthy? At the table. 
And we've talked about it and we've looked at it and we've opened it up and we've expressed all the Greek, Greek word, uh, Hebrew words, sorry, Old Testament, Hebrew words, and we've gone through all of this. And you've all heard us open this up and you've heard Justin and I share on this and you've heard other people share on this and sitting at it and what it looks like and the importance of it and how it applies to our life and and what this represents for us today and how it's a present, it's not a future, it's not a past, but it's a present um, declaration, prayer, promise, whatever you want to call it for our lives today. And how we get to see God and how we get to um, experience his nature and his character and how when we see him and how when we're face to face with him and how when we are in his presence, we get to know who he is. Not what we have experienced him to be, not what other people have told us who he is, not what our, um, our family or sermons or pastors or leaders or upbringing has said, but when we're here, we get to experience who he is, who he is. And as we look at him and as we encounter him and as we spend time with him and as we worship him and as we put words on our lips, as we express things, we are doing that in person. We are doing that not up there, but here. It's not, God is not someone far in the distance. He's not someone out there. He's not someone that is unreachable or untangible or unattainable, but he is personal. He is here. And, and, and what we're learning through this picture of David, what we're learning is how real and how close he is, how much he wants to be involved in our life more than we actually understand how much he wants to be present with us more than what we probably utilise in our life, how much he wants to be real with us, how a simple setting at a table can illustrate how um, close and how present and how fatherly he is. And so at this table, we've talked about many different things and we've unpacked it, we've opened it up and at the start of the year, I did a, a message which was incredible. Where it's us. Hang on. Hmm. Yeah. Where it's us worshipping God in the presence of our enemies. And I taught on, I opened up on When we are face worshipping God, the one thing that the enemy wanted, we are doing in front of him to the one true God. Sometimes I struggle with words. As you all know, English is not my best subject. My vocabulary is quite limited I am very simplistic in I use the same words over and over again because um, they mean amazing things to me. So I'll just say you're incredible. And you might go, well, that's a pretty weakened word. I go, well, yeah, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> Some of you are like poets. You can create and craft a beautiful poem to God and I just say, God, you're amazing. <laughs> do you know what? God loves my you're amazing just as much as your poetry. <laughs> so... When I sit here, figuratively, 
and I worship God. Or when I stand there and the worship leader or whoever says put words on your lips. Or when I'm driving in my car because I drive in silence. No radio, silence. Do you know how easy it is for God to speak to me when it's silent? Do you know how hard it is for God to speak to you when there's a lot of noise? Just saying, maybe silence for some of you would be good occasionally. Um, Maybe music for me sometimes would be good. But in these moments, when I'm putting words on my mouth to express who he is, when I'm worshipping and putting worth on him, when I'm exalting him, when I'm saying, God, you are mighty, when I'm doing this, when I'm using these words at him, which is limited. Remember, I only have a few. I've only got a couple of words that I use over and over and over again. It's like, Lee, you always yell at the same things. Yeah, that's about all I've got. Over and over and over again. When I'm doing that, it's like, this is awesome. And I'm doing that in the presence of the devil. I am saying, you are king of kings. You're not. You are. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm not giving him any attention because I'm focusing my worship on God. But inadvertently, what I am doing is praising him, saying, you are worthy of it all, saying, you are the king of kings. You do mighty works. When I say all this in the one that wanted it, he's the one that doesn't deserve it. And he does. And I get to do it in front of him. And then when I run out of words, which happens because you know why, when I run out of words, then I get to turn to books of the Bible like Psalms. Because David's an amazing poet. And David in Psalms 145 says things like, I will exalt you, my God and King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. I mean, there's not a lot of great words in there, but it's better than mine. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. So when I run out of my words, I get to go and steal David's words. And I get to sit there and I get to stand there, whatever it looks like. I get to say, great are you, Lord. You are worthy of all the praise forever and ever. You're worthy of it all and I'll exalt you forever. I can't fathom, no one can fathom your greatness. And as I get to say that and my eyes are on Him, not out there, but are on Him, because we are in fellowship with Him. What that does to our faith, what that does to our life, you can't, I can't express. I've heard this quote many times and was reminded of it this week from Bill Johnson. If you've got 10 minutes to pray, Praise and worship for eight and pray for two. Why? Because when we worship him, when we put words on our mouth for him, you go, eight minutes, I know, I have like four words I repeat over and over again. I understand. But when we put worth of who he is, when we seek first his kingdom, our prayers look extremely different than if we just pray to begin with. Our perception, our our, um, position, the angle in which we come at, our thoughts, our belief system, our faith is completely different when we praise him, when we tell him of his great works because we're reminding ourselves, when we speak forth him and the truth and Jesus on the cross, when we do all of this, then when we start praying, our needs become all of a sudden look very different than what they were to begin with. 
because no longer are our needs loud and big and intense and suffocating. He is surrounding us. He is with us. He is present. He is here. He is ministering back. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the I've said it before, I've done it before and nothing changed. I gave that a go and nothing changed. I want to challenge your heart with that. If you go on to read... No. It's a problem when I don't look at my notes. I go all over the shop. In staff meeting this week, we had an incredible time of worship together. And then um, Justin just opened up for anyone to pray or to share what God was doing or share what God had put on your heart. And I can't remember the songs that we sang, but it was amazing. And as people are praying, I just felt God say, I am way better than you think. Like, I am way better than just a good father. I said, last time when I spoke, I spoke on Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And with that, I said, I don't understand, I don't um, comprehend the word shepherd, I don't understand the magnitude of what a shepherd looks like. But I relate more to God being our father. And I opened that up a bit last time I spoke and I just felt like God say to me this week is I am way better than the father you're picturing. I'm not just a step ahead of an earthly dad. I am like a billion times better than an earthly dad. Like I am like a billion times better than what you're currently perceiving me to be. And I had to repent and I had to say sorry because I realised I was boxing who God was in my own life. I was boxing him to just be a bit better than my own father. Now, my dad's amazing. I love him, and he's been an incredible dad my whole life. And he's also made lots of mistakes, but he's incredible. And I was picturing God better than my dad, which is true, but he's not just a step ahead. And I feel like for some of us in here, we've gotten comfortable with how we see God, and we've gotten comfortable with what we've, with, with what our words describe Him to be, and with His nature and character. But what He's saying is, He is far better than what you're currently perceiving of Him. He is far better than what your mind is currently telling you about Him. He is far better than what you're currently thinking of right now. That he is not ever going to be bound like in a year's time when you go, oh my goodness, God is so much better. He's going to even be better than what you're going to think of in a year's time. So when we first sang the song, you keep getting better, I was like, God doesn't get better. But my perception of who he is gets better. My understanding of who he is gets better. My knowledge of who he is gets better. Not like worldly knowledge here of who he is gets better. How we see him gets better. So even Jill mentioned, you know, this is the first time she actually went on going for a miracle for my life. Like other people easy, but for me, this is the first one. 
Because in her life now, she now sees him in a place where I can do that for myself. Sorry, Jill, just talking about you. Because he's so much better than what you're currently experiencing to be and what you're currently thinking who he is. So much better. There's a quote, where did I write down? Somewhere. That I heard from someone, didn't write down the author. God is worthy of more praise than one generation can give him. God is worthy of more praise than one generation because he's so much better than what our previous generation saw him to be and he's so much better than what we're going to add to that. Forever of, etern- like forever of this side of eternity, we're not going to be able to see his magnitude manifested of how great he really is, of how good he really is, of how perfect he really is. So then we go, Psalm 145.4, a verse we've shared the last couple of weeks. One generation commands your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. So good. Psalm 71, 18, even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, my God. Like, don't kill me off yet. Till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. David is explaining and demonstrating how important it is for our generation to receive what the previous one experienced. For our generation to see God how the last generation saw him. For our generation to experience him, to stand, to hear the testimonies, to live off that generation. To the point where David's even saying, God, I haven't finished telling them yet. Hold off. Let me finish first. Let me finish writing it out, telling them how good you are, how mighty your works are. Let me get this out there so they can have that testimony, so they can see you in that light. How I experienced you, I want them to experience you. And then we get the privilege of grabbing a hold of that and experiencing that for ourselves, of living that, of seeing that outplayed, of seeing that worked in our life today. We get the privilege of hearing what the previous generations have done, what God has done in and through them, and we get to say, yes. Yes, and amen for my life today. Yes, and that's true for me today. So when I steal David's words to praise God, God's not looking at me like copyright. He's looking at me going, yes, she's got it. What the previous generation said, she's got it. She understands it, that I am worthy of all praise. Because he is. What the previous generations did before us is so important for us to grab a hold of and acknowledge, for us to grab a hold of and experience, for us to grab a hold of and become our reality. The verses in Psalm continues, verse 5. They speak of the glorious splendour of your majesties, talking about the previous generations, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. So they speak it and I meditate on it. Why do I meditate on it? So it becomes my, my floor. So it becomes my reality. I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear things and I don't hear things. My children are really good at this. They hear me say, turn the TV off, but they don't hear me say, turn the TV off. 
I have heard lots of sermons in my life, but I haven't heard them. And here when we say meditate, it means we sit and allow it to sink in and become ours. We allow it to become truth for our life. I didn't experience God in that way, but they did. And therefore that nature and character of God, I'm allowing to become part of my story. Who he is to them becomes my story. So I'm going to meditate on what the generations have done, on what the generations experienced his glory and his majesty. I'm going to meditate on that and I'm going to stay here until it becomes mine. And then they tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. Then I get the privilege of once I've let that reality set in me. Sorry. Once that reality, that truth becomes mine, I then get to proclaim his good works to the next generation. I get to proclaim his good works to the people around me. I get to proclaim his character and his nature to everyone I come in contact with. Because it's not just a story I once heard. It's not just something that previous generations told me about. It's now mine. I understand God's character and nature the same. So I get to now pass that on and I get to now build that and I get to now um, share that with everyone around me and those to come. A couple of weeks ago we shared... On, um, we did a few weeks with the previous pastors and, and leaders and we shared about their ceiling being our floor. And I had someone come up to me and um, we were sharing about the ceiling and floor. And they said, you know, divorce is massive in both our family lines. Like, that's all there is. And we've made a commitment that that's not going to... It stops. We're not getting divorced and our ceiling's going to be our kid's floor. But who do we stand on? I mean, great question. I've asked that before. The beautiful thing about God is we are family. And maybe your biological parents don't have the breakthrough that you're after. But there's someone in this room that does. There's someone in here you can stand on. There's someone in here you can go, hey, that testimony of yours, keep sharing it. I'm going to keep meditating on it until that takes root in my heart. And you might need to hear it a thousand times, but keep going back until it takes root, until it takes root in your heart. That's the beautiful thing about God's kingdom and his family. You're not on your own. You're not on your own. And if you are on your own, come and say hi. And if you don't have a testimony, if you don't have something and you're going through something hard, then ask someone, hey, do you know of anyone that has this testimony? I need that in my life right now. I need that in my life. Or do you know of someone? And 
And we go a step further. Hebrews 12. Tash, you're annoying. Verse 1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Oh, because she stole it. Not because she's annoying for any other reason. (laughs) Tash is not annoying. (laughs) Just bracket that. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This week when I was preparing, I was sitting on the couch looking outside to a blue sky with large clumps of clouds. Like blue in between them big bits of clouds. And I'm like, all right, God, open this up to me. Open this up. Because like literally the Bible is... That's, there's no massive revelation if you look at the original language and the commentaries, other than the cloud is a picture for us humans to gain understanding to what God's trying to achieve here. So I'm like, all right, since we're slandered by such a great cloud of witnesses, I'm looking at the clouds from outside going, all right, cloud, how does this relate? How do I work this into my life? How does this mean something to me? God, open this up. There's got to be something big and I got nothing. Until I sat there and looked at it from a different perspective and went, hang on a minute, I'm looking at the cloud from outside the cloud. It says I'm surrounded by the cloud. Now let's think about me being surrounded by a cloud. Whoa. I don't know if you've ever been in a plane where you go through the clouds and all you can see is the cloud. You can't see anything but the cloud. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who carry testimonies, who carry miracles, who carry breakthrough, who carry truth, who carry experiences, who carry understanding, who carry the nature and character of our Father and we are surrounded by that. So when we are struggling with areas in our life, God has made it that simple for us, that easy for us to look out and go, oh my goodness, here's what I need right now. He hasn't made it unattainable. He hasn't made it impossible. He hasn't even made it so you've got to spend 20 hours of Bible research to get the answer you want. He's actually gone, you are surrounded by the testimony of everything you need, of people that went before you, of generations that went before you, that they carried the breakthrough so that you can stand on their roof, you can stand on their ceiling and you can meditate on that and it become part of your life and you can speak it out. You are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So here's the challenge. These, the Bible names a whole lot of them. So if you're going after sickness, in that cloud of witnesses, there's some pretty massive miracles when it comes to sickness. If you're going through identity, there's some pretty heavy hitters in that list surrounding you, cheering you on, who knew their identity. Everything you need. Like, this is how simple it really is. Let me just check my notes. This is how simple it really is. As God says, I prepare a table before you. So we're face to face with God. He's protecting us from everything. Then he sets up witnesses, heroes of the faith, 
literally cheering us on. And then he goes, "Ah, sorry, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Like, this is easy, guys. It's easy because how God set it up. Everything that hinders, stinking thinking, Tim Perry. Offences, unforgiveness, all of it. It's easy, throw it off. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So even when we go, the noise is too loud and I can't see anything in this cloud because my brain's just not putting A and B together, I then get to fix my eyes on Jesus who understands it all, who got it all, who lived it all. He was perfectly, yes, and on the cross, he was everything. He experienced everything. Every sin, every sickness and disease, everything. He experienced it all. So we don't say, God, you don't understand. Jesus fully understands. He fully understands what we go through. He fully understands the world that we live in right now. He fully understands the pressure of being politically correct that we have to walk in. He understands all of that. He fully understands the danger of social media. He fully understands parenting in today's day and age. He fully understands what it's like where your body is in pain. And we get to fix our eyes on him. Fixing our eyes on him. And then it goes on to say, I'm going to end with this thought. Yeah. Then it goes on to say, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in staff this week, I told Virginia I was going to steal this from her. This Virginia's. So in staff this week, when everyone's sharing, Virginia shared this verse, this couple of words that I've heard a million times. Maybe not a million. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And Virginia goes, you are that joy. And I went, why have I never thought this before? Why have I never questioned what joy he is talking about? Because the actual cross, dying on the cross being marred beyond recognition, that was not joyful. So what was the joy that led him to do the cross? Not once had I asked that question in 40 years. Not once had I stopped to think about this. And we talk about God in multifacets. He is multifacets. We're never going to this side of eternity. Know him in all of his glory. 
But this word joy is multifaceted as well. And one of the facets are you, were, you are that joy. You are that joy. It's you. You are the joy that Jesus died on the cross. When he went to the cross, you brought him joy. Because then from that, he got to present you. He presents us to the Father for all of eternity. You are the joy that Jesus went through, the most horrific thing in the world. I went, oh my goodness, this is in stuff, man, this week, like Lee's in full-on shock mode going, I am God's joy. You know when you hear things, but you don't hear it? Hmm. I am his joy. I am the joy that he endured the crossover. You are the joy that he endured the crossover. Because he saw you, he endured the cross. Think about that. Think about what he went through. Jeepers. And he'd do it all over again for you and for me. I love it how we get the privilege of seeing God. Of face to face with Jesus. Of seeing Jesus. Of being surrounded by people cheering us on. And by whose stories we can stand on. When it comes to worshipping God, I find that really easy. When it comes to my part in it, I don't often think about that. You are the joy. So as we're doing this with God, you are the joy that he looks at. It's not a one-way street. It's not a just we're just worshipping him and telling him how good he is, which we are. But he's also looking at us. Stoked. So happy at who we are. Tash, can you just jump up on keys? I just want to pray this morning. If everyone should just close their eyes. I just wanted to pray for two things today. And the first one being, maybe you haven't experienced God and his nature correctly. Maybe you've only ever heard about him grown up hearing about him but you actually haven't allowed that truth to become your reality allow him to become your God your saviour your father who is infinitely better than anything you can imagine and just while everyone closes their eyes if you're just saying Lee can you pray for me he pray for me today because this is my day 
where it's my time with the Lord. It's my time with God. It's my time to experience Him as my Saviour. If that's you here, while everyone's got their eyes closed, if you can just raise your hand, I'm just going to pray for you today. Wow. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a few hands that have gone up. I'm just going to allow God just to continue ministering to your hearts this morning. He is so faithful and kind. If anyone else just wants to raise their hand, I'm going to pray for you guys now. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So Jesus, I thank you so much for these hands that are raised. I thank you so much for what you're doing in their hearts right now, that you are stirring in their hearts right now, God. I thank you so much for what you're saying to them and what you're speaking to them about right now in Jesus' name. We just pray, God, for their walks with you, for their time with you, that that's going to become as real as a natural relationship, but stronger and better. That they're going to encounter you as far better than what they're currently seeing you as right now in Jesus' name. Show them right now who you are in their lives, God. Show them right now how much you love them and how much you see them, God. Thank you, Jesus. And the second thing I just wanted to pray for this morning, I really felt like shame I wanted to pray into because you are his joy. You are his joy. So when he sees you, he doesn't see you in the lens of sin or shame or you're not good enough, but he sees you because you are his joy. You are his child. And that, that language can become um, not very powerful based on your comprehension of what a child looks like. So I don't want to use basic language right now to, to, to put words in God's mouth on who He sees you as. But He sees you far better than what you're currently picturing Him to see you as. And I just wanted to pray today for anyone that's struggling to allow God's Word and God's truth to come alive in your life where you've put barriers into actually how God can show you His love. He can show you how incredible you are. And if that's you right now, I'm just going to ask you again while everyone has their eyes closed just to lift your hand up. And I'm just going to pray for you this morning. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Right now, Holy Spirit, just become so real right now where they all sit, Jesus. Holy Spirit, may they experience your unconditional love right now. 
your acceptance right now. May they experience your truth right now. In Jesus' name, we say no to lies. And yes to truth. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I encourage you to do, church. Is if you put your hand up, I want to encourage you to go speak to someone. A purpose group leader. Someone who will encourage you. Or even let's all stand. I'll invite the prayer team up. Even if you want someone to lay hands on you. Prayer team, come join me up the front here. You can come and get prayer. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and what you're doing here in Echo Church. I thank you, God, that you are here. And we pray, Jesus, for this week, for this week, God, may we grow in our walk with you. May we grow in our worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.